Thrones on the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Welcome back to episode 63. It's Chase from On the Table Gaming, and uh, we get to nerd out this week talking about the free folk. I've got Michael Rumsbaum from Germany on, and uh, I'm excited. He's a top-level player, won a lot of big tournaments. We're wishing him luck at the uh, the tournament in Paris with, I think, over 100 people there. So, you know, go get it. Bring free folk to victory. Uh, this is the this is the era, guys. Free folk rising. So let's jump right in and and start talking about all this goodness. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hello, Chase. Yeah, thank you for having me. So for our listeners, uh, I kind of already previewed this, but uh, now we get to really nerd out because uh, I think we get to talk about maybe the coolest faction in a Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game, which are the free folk. And I know you've had quite a bit of success playing on that. So I'm excited to dive in. But before we do that, tell us a little about your gaming background. How did you uh, get into tabletop wargaming? Um, I get into ga- uh, tabletop wargaming, um, I think, during my military service. So <laughs> 10 years ago, um, I started with Warhammer 40k, did a deep dive into tournament gaming uh, after a few months of uh, playing. And from since on, I am in the tournament scene, um, first with Warhammer 40k, then with Flames of War, Flames of War even in the German national team. Um, and then the Song of Ice and Fire uh, Kickstarter was announced. So I backed it and um, yeah, to, to bridge the gap, um, I played Infinity. And when my Kickstarter arrived, I was 100% into Song of Ice and Fire. Um, yeah, and took part. Um, at the first tournament here in Germany that was uh, held. And since then, I try to uh, yeah, participate in as much tournaments as possible. That's amazing, man. So we've had some other really strong players come on the podcast who also came from an Infinity background. That's that's an interesting thread I'm seeing here. Yeah, Infinity is a very competitive uh, game. Um, yeah, it's a lot like Song of Ice and Fire, but uh, yeah, with yeah, it's it's on the on the same level. Hmm. Uh, so you know, how did you end up actually finding out about a song of ice and fire? You you saw the Kickstarter you were saying, or yeah, I saw the Kickstarter. I'm I don't know why I um... do, do you buy a lot of games oh. off Kickstarter? <laughs> Is that a no? It was my first no. game. Oh really? It was, okay. It wow. was my first Kickstarter. Yes. It's, wow. It's Kickstarter. Well, that's a good one, I guess. That's a good one to start with here. Just oh, be yes. careful now that you've let that genie out of that bottle. It could be. Kickstarter yeah, can, be a, can be a dangerous place. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, and I got uh, head on into the Kickstarter. I mm-hmm. think I uh, backed two sets. So oh, wow. two times, um, yeah, Hand of the King. Um, and, so, yeah. and so then you decided that after getting all those miniatures, that the faction you wanted to play was the Free Folk, a different faction that also includes a lot of miniatures. Not really. I started with uh, Lannister. Uh, Lannister, yeah, my um, Lannister was my um, favorite faction. Mm-hmm. Um, within the Kickstarter, uh, when the when the rules were published, um, I thought about some tournament lists, about some very strong lists, and that was the reason uh, for backing uh, it twice. And I played a lot of uh, Lannister at the beginning, um, won some tournaments with it. But it was easy mode. Back mm. then, it was easy mode with Lannisters. Um, and then the Free Folk got announced, and I saw the miniatures and just was sold on them. 
they are so pretty um yeah then i bought my free uh free fox starter kits um for some tournament games and i never touched my lannisters again yeah that's that's a similar story to me i was a, i had a pretty quick turn from the free folk um but yeah and i'm still and the miniatures that are coming out keep looking better and better so i feel like yes. i made the right call definitely yes <laughs> So before we dive into maybe how you run Free Folk in a competitive environment and talk about some lists and units, um, what do you see as the strengths of the Free Folk faction at this time? Um, the strength of the Free Folk faction is um, the numbers, of course. Um, you get bonuses from the tactic deck um, for being engaged with multiple units or have multiple units in short range of an opponent. And you have insignificant units um, for very low uh, price tag. Um, yeah, I think these are the strengths of the free folk and you have to, or you should focus on the strengths um, to be successful. Yeah, I think, and that's something I'm really excited to get into is, uh, you know, what are the multiple ways to play Free Folk? Is it kind of more narrow track than we might think? Is there ways to play low activation, high activation? Um, but, you know, so how do you typically approach running Free Folk in a competitive environment? Uh, what might even like a sample list look like or what commanders do you kind of go to as your, your top commanders? Um, from the beginning, I thought that free folk has to be run with a high activation count. So uh, minimum activation count for me is 10 and optimum is about 11 activations. Um, before Heroes Islands, uh, Heroes 1, um, we had to achieve this with uh, even with giants. Um, now we can yeah, achieve it with cheaper units and some pretty nasty effective uh, cave dweller units so um, my yeah my, my favorite uh, army has 11 activations um a core of raiders and is yeah then buffed out by uh, with some um cave dwellers well so when I you always... say a core of raiders to a lot of free folk players that can mean a variety of things some people say oh, you just need two free folk raiders some people say hey you need a base of four free folk raiders in every list some people are bringing six. What's a core set of free folk raiders to you? I never leave house with uh, less than four raiders. And in my favorite uh, army, in my favorite list, uh, I have six units of raiders. Okay. So that's something yeah. actually interesting. I was trying to test out. I was like, there's got to be a way. Um, and this is where Yana, one of my friends, is always very helpful. But we'll kind of get into like theory crafting. There's, I was like, there's got to be a way that I can run like an, an off-track free folk army that's you know minimal activations like what does like a really elite small activation free folk list look like and i went to pax and i tried to roll out a a styre list that was you know heavy thin warriors low number of uh activations maybe to on fire and blood for example force them to put tokens on stuff that maybe is helpful um and um I didn't have any success with it. I think I, I, in that tournament, the only games I won were after losing enough with that list. I was like, I'm going to switch back to my regular Tormund list. Those, that was the only games I won was with the other list. My Styrus <laughs> won zero games. Um, so 
you know, I'm seeing this kind of list. Do you, do you ever run like a really low activation list? Do you think that's a way of playing that, you know, we can make free folk work with? Yes, I did run some uh, low activation um, lists. Low activation is uh, nine, eight to nine activations for free folk. Um, but you never get that like, you know, six point six unit territory or, you know, seven activation territory. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I tested it against my gaming group um, who also always run a tournament focused uh, lists um, during training. And yeah, I got crushed um, several times <laughs> when I tried to run low activation. Um, because low activation means that you field uh, the more expensive units like um, follow up bones or. Right. Um, of fen warriors and even the uh, then i find you know while they can take a lot of damage um don't at six points, damage. i'm not doing damage and so yeah. i was very pillow fisted and i wasn't doing anything and i couldn't control and i lacked any sort of combo potential then yeah and even they they can't even take much damage um right normally you they're uh they're down after two turns of fighting against right. some swords yeah so um yeah, they they look nice. The models are really uh, nice, but they don't have a role, a significant role uh, in a free folk army. So, so you got your core set of, of raiders. Then you're saying in your favorite list. Let's go through it like item by item. So, yeah. how many raiders does this list have? Six, six units six of raiders. Six units of raiders. So that's a pretty good solid block. You're taking up some real estate on the board. Yeah, I'm. I, I focus on um, using all the space on the board. So uh, you can fit exactly um, six large infantry trays and one small tray uh, on a 48-inch board. Okay, good to know. So you've got your six raiders. Um, what, do you, what do you add on from there? I add on um, two units of cave trailers. Okay, and... so you can hear that's your damage you're spiking out there. Yeah, that's the damage. That's the um, my cavalry, kind of. Um, yeah, my my task force, mm -hmm. <laughs> deep deep insertion uh, troop, um, to yeah shoot out like a missile and hit something um, in the enemy line, crush it from the front, and then reposition into the back of the enemy. While uh, the raiders um, hold the front, the front now, are line. you putting any attachments in the cave dwellers or your units? Yes, I am always field hammer, uh, the one point hammer attachment. Um, okay, so where do you put her then? In the raiders, because uh, typically um, the raiders activate um, before the cave trailers so they can um, move up the cave trailers, and then I attach the Reaper commander in one cave trailer unit and um, one point attachment in the other, uh, in the other cave trailer unit. And that's typically a fan uh, chosen of style. Yeah, a raid leader is possible. And uh, yeah, <laughs> of course, a skin changer. So we end up then with six unit of raid leaders. Uh, sorry, six units of free folk raiders. Harm of the dogs had attachment in a raid, a raider unit. Two cave dweller savages, one with Weeper with the commander. One of the chosen of Styre, and then your NCUs. You've got uh, Styre, Lady Val, and Mance. Yeah, correct. Why are you picking the NCUs that you're selecting? Um, in my opinion, for tournament play, you always need free NCU. Um, now, do you feel like that just for free folk, 
or is that some well, trend you see generally? Um, generally. Okay. Um, in Germany, I think nearly all of the top 50% um, places field free NCU. Hmm. So we yeah yesterday we tried uh, the new night's watch uh, rules the updates yeah and he <laughs> tried again to field only two ncu and got crushed i think 15 to 4 or something like this running only two ncu is a very bad idea especially against free fork and so we've yeah. got you've got a ton of activation in this list so how are you going to use these pieces together now to to win your matches like what's your approach going in against an opponent you got all these raiders, you got your two cable savages. What are the kind of combos or strategies you're using to, to achieve victory? Um, I start with moving forward in a kind of battle line. And I wait until a round where I am the second player. And at the end of the round, I um, yeah shoot out one of the cave dwellers with Hammer, um, charge an enemy unit, um, preferable with the Reaper, with the Reaper cave dwellers, um, do an attack. And on the start of the next round, I do um, an attack about the combat field of the tactics mm -hmm. board uh, with uh, Steyr attached. And typically, the unit is gone after that. And if the enemy only has um, two NCU, or I have something like um, Swift Advance on my hand, um, you can do the double attack at the end of the turn, uh, at the end of the round with uh, both Cave Dweller units and yeah, delete an enemy unit. Um, yeah, in one Are round. you mostly running the, are you spreading your Cave Dwellers out or are you running them side by side often? Um, side by side. Okay. Yeah. So you're really smashing down on one side of the board or on one unit. Um, so depends on where the enemy um, yeah. focuses his units. Um, I normally start with raiders on uh, both sides of the table, mm -hmm. and then uh, I'm building my battle line more to the middle uh, to react on the enemy um, unit placement. That makes sense. And so I see you've got the uh, Chosen of Steyr in there, and that can then play really well with Mance. You can throw out your weakened token, and then if you take the tactics zone on the tactics board, he's dropping two more tokens. You can instantly get to three. Yep. It's not only uh, in combination with Mans, it's also um, if you want, uh, if you are not a first player and um, expecting to get charged or attacked. So some weakened tokens um, are pretty helpful to, yeah, um, yeah, to, to um, push up your survivability yeah. of the uh, cave dwellers. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That that attachment came out. That was a game changer for me. I was like, oh man, like it's hilarious when your opponent is not able to kill your free folk raiders in one yeah. shot because they're weakened. Yeah. Yes. Uh, back then, I also thought, man, that's the best one point attachment you can get for free folk. Um, now, with I think eight or nine games in with the skin changers, um, I think I changed my mind. <laughs> so. Maybe a quick, a quick sidestep here. Uh, skin changers, like, yeah, what do you think about the skin changers? Um, do you have a favorite animal form that you deploy? Um, yeah, I typically use uh, two animal forms. That's the eagle and um, that's the bear. Um, yeah, and I think the eagle gives the free fork the capability to do 
longer charges. Right. Um, so that, that ability lets you roll an extra d6 on your charge. Uh, when a unit charges a, a unit with an eagle, you can extra d6, and you can ignore the, what is it, dangerous, hindering... And rough. And rough keywords on terrain. So, man, you can really use terrain to advantage now to use that as a defense that you can cross, but it's maybe hard for them to countercharge you or... Yeah. As I normally play with um, two um, corpse piles, um, because the um, corpse piles yeah, help me more uh, then they yeah punish me. Um, it's now even better with the eagle. So the cave trailers can really do long range charges. The other option is that we didn't mention really is the wolf. Um, yeah. Now the wolf makes it when you mark that target with a wolf. When they roll defense saves against attacks on a roll of a one, they take an auto wound. Why have you, why have you maybe not feeling fielding that one quite as much? Um, it's the wolf is only yeah helpful if you hit an enemy really often um and, and you want to have like a high volume of dice right yeah That's... and with, with raiders uh, and maximum six attacks per raider unit yeah that don't really happen really often so where i find it useful is against a lot of direwolves against starks with a lot of direwolves um, because ah. it increases the chance uh, to kill a direwolf with Steyr pretty significant. So you have about, I think, 10 or 14, some, something in the range of 10% uh, chance to kill a direwolf um, with Steyr in one round. That um, with, with is wolf, amazing. You, I yeah. had not thought of that. That's great. And with, uh, with the wolf, you increase the chance up to, I think, 30%. So one third is uh yeah oh nice. my gosh and jorah mormont that commander i know no one's taking him right now at least locally where i am but sure yeah i'm going for him as well with that um yep. man okay and then the other option is the the bear now the bear's got movement speed of five savage mauling he hits on one die on a two plus three plus armor two plus morale he's got two wounds no victory points when you kill him uh but he activates after the unit that has the skin changer in it and he's got savage mauling which is a vicious attack that doesn't allow defensive saves um how have you been finding fielding fielding the bear <laughs> uh fielding the bear no i fielded uh five to six five um, to six bears oh my gosh okay yeah i ordered um three boxes and <laughs> um just practicing with a tournament list um with six skin changers and yeah <laughs> the bear is um, pretty nice on the offensive because it uh, deals a ton of damage um, and even better in the defensive because um, free folk always had trouble with very offensive armies um, like Gregor Clegane armies mm -hmm. um, or yeah <laughs> Starks Starks are the nemesis of free folk and now you can block the um charges uh, you can sacrifice the bears and then charge in and that's yeah, yeah. That's pretty good and even just on a counter-attacking level i mean I, if you're running a weeper list i mean cut them down in yeah. free folk with more abilities that can do vicious that yeah. seems like it's going to be very very good yeah definitely uh, the the bears um performed 
great. For Weeper, uh, for those people who are new to Free Folk or maybe don't play Weeper often, he's got three tactics cards. Um, the first one is Agonizing Deaths. When an enemy combat unit is destroyed, all other enemy units within short range of that enemy suffer a panic test with a negative two to their roll. You know, how, how what kind of strategies or how are you generally applying that? Is that just kind of like a win more thing? What's what's your approach to using that tactics card? Um, the Reaper tactics card, I think, are uh, one of the strongest tactic cards in the yeah in in the whole Prefog army. Um, so typically, I um, save them on my hand, except for um, agonizing deaths. Uh, the two others are pretty strong, and it's agonizing deaths. Uh, is like all the other tactics card in the free folk uh basic deck um <laughs> very situational often, yeah very situational and you normally um discard them at the start of the game most of them so then price of failure when a friendly combat unit attacks before attack dice are rolled all attack dice are results are automatic hits for this attack for each result that would have normally missed the attacker suffers one wounds so i'm looking at your list here with your free folk raiders and your cave dealer savages, um, are you generally playing that on your savages then? Yeah, just to kind of smash through that damage, and then potentially, you know, hopefully with the plus one, I guess, to hit from the ranks. Not no, missing a lot. Uh, normally, I do it uh, when I'm weakened, and um, yeah, charge head on. So it's the for for the, for the first attack and the double uh, strike. I normally uh, use this tactic card so that I deal um, maximum damage even if I'm weakened and then do even more damage in the second attack. Oh, I see. Okay, interesting. Um, when you are initially charging with a unit of Cave Dweller Savages, are you you're selecting... Do you still take Sundering then or you take Vicious? I mean, it depends on the unit, I guess. But mm. using it with Price of Failure... I guess you're using it on the second attack, so hmm. I'm I'm normally um, maybe in ninety percent of the time I use um, vicious because vicious um, does typically more damage. Um, Sundering is about um, one more wound per six hits. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's about one additional wound. So yeah. It's better to um, have the enemy fail a panic test than do uh, doing one additional wound. Um, Especially if you've got Weeper in the unit, right? That's that's right. D3 plus three. Good God. Yeah. Um, and then the other attack this card is Reckless Slaughter. When a friendly <laughs> combat unit makes a melee attack before attack dice are rolled, this attack rolls plus three dice and gains Vicious. After this attack is completed, the attacker becomes vulnerable. My favorite. <laughs> right, what, um, what makes this so strong, especially in your list? I'm seeing some synergy here. Um, you have six units um, of raiders that, yeah, throw peanuts. But with this <laughs> card, they hit like a truck. And um, that's a lot of possible threats. Yeah, maybe, maybe you parked one of your raider units uh, in the flank of an enemy, and the enemy thinks, yeah, six attacks, uh, yeah, doesn't do me much. But then charging in with nine attacks, maybe uh, even uh, using gang, uh, gang up. Mm -hmm. Wow, <laughs> a ton of damage. Pretty nasty. Yeah, that, and then even, and then if they're, gosh, even if you did that on your savages as well, yeah. 
making them vulnerable. The savages have a six plus save anyway. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, all oh, right, man. So everything is scary with that. But Ooh. you don't want to play it on maybe um, Fen Warriors or right. something like this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, how have you found this list to play? Are there certain game modes? Has it has? Have you found tournament success with it? Mm. Until now, I played nearly every tournament with this army list, um, and most of the time, uh, or most of the games played with exactly this list because I had no real second list, no real second army list, um, because, uh, yeah, this army did the most work, and it, it worked against most opponents, against most enemy builds, um, did the most damage. It just was extreme reliable. Are there any lists that you found that it was a little bit more challenging into? And that, you know, a lot of this... Your opponents, you have to worry about like, you know, different skill levels. Sometimes players are really good, sometimes they're not. But is there a certain types of lists where you're like, oh, that often seemed more of an uphill battle? Um, Starks. Definitely. Starks, Starks uh, felt always like an uphill battle, um, especially with the um, old Great Axes. Yes. Um, yeah. And exploding uh, cave trailers. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, in general, every game feels um like an uphill battle that's true <laughs> and so i noticed you don't have any raid leaders in this list w why not what's your thought behind that um i tried out raid leaders at uh the start of my free fall career and they're too situational and um, so you need to attack the same target and that's often a reason um for not using them hmm so one of the so, things I often find was like larger activation lists is that like I can achieve some of the similar effect of having a raid leader getting to go twice if I just have more units left on the board. But, so, when, you, but when you have uh, more units left on the board, um, most enemies are out of charging distance. So raid right. leaders, raid leaders um, do the... Uh, do more damage during the alpha strike. So if you're the first player, you do uh, more damage uh, with a chain activation. Mm -hmm. But you have to set it up and, yeah, paid mutiny or something like this can oh, ruin, God. Uh, ruin your plans. That's true. Well, this looks like an amazing list. I'm excited to to try some of this out. That's a lot of raiders. Let me take it up some real estate. I feel like this really it kind of encapsulates like kind of the free folk identity. We have a lot of insignificant units. And then you've got your like your workhorses and your cave dweller savages that they're going to be setting up your big plays. Yeah, I think um, free folk should always look like something um, a, a base of uh, a lot of raiders, a lot of cheap and significant units um, pushing one or two um, stronger units. Hmm. So what are you what are, what are your thoughts on some other units in the faction? Things like spearwives that have been recently changed in 1.5 to be four points, but not insignificant like their trapper or four point counterpart. Um, do you run them often? Um, since the patch, I run them in one of my tournament lists for the upcoming uh, tournaments. Um, I found them to be okay. Um, they're not, they're no cave trailers, of course. And 
I take them into my army um, when I have enough trappers. So they're they're just um, they're in my army because uh, there are now other four point units. Um, okay. And if I don't have the points to field uh, two additional raiders, yeah, I take the spear wives. And are you running them just naked? Do you throw in? I know some people run like uh, spear wives with a raid leader and then cave dwellers, so they can either throw their spears or they can charge and set up a spike of damage for cave dwellers. Are you better off at five points just taking cave dwellers? Yeah, that's. I think um, a spear wife with an attachment is um, not as strong as a naked cave dweller unit. Okay. But in my army, um, where I field them, I use them, yeah, as a base for a skin changer. Oh, okay. Hmm. And so they, they do their job. They are um, more fearsome than the trappers for uh, for the opponents because they see seven attack dice um, with thundering, so they can potentially do some damage. So they, um, yeah, they, they keep their distance to them others than the trappers, so Trappers, they don't fear at all. Um, yeah, so it works. They are okay. But of course, I would hope to uh, see them pushed a little bit more. What about uh, giants? Do you often run giants? Um, yes, I run them in every uh, tournament list. Um, back in the days where only the starter box was available. <laughs> so how many, how many giants do you run typically? Um, I run one against Starks because um, with the starter box contents, I yeah, always uh, I, I can only field um, eight infantry units and one giant. And against Lannisters, I added another giant mm -hmm. um, for crushing the guards. Yeah. But since then, uh, cave drillers do the job much better. Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like the Savage Giants have a place in our current like right now meta i know skin changers have just come out but um it's a seven point monster that can be really devastating right with its mighty swing but it can also be shut down and i know it takes significant resources to like a walder fray to turn off mighty swing but when you suddenly have seven points in your army you know that maybe doesn't seem like a lot to other factions but seven points in a free folk army is a lot of stuff you could have no um, no they they are not. Uh, they have absolutely no place in the tournament army, in my opinion. Um, it's not even that they are too expensive. Um, they also die, yeah, <laughs> too fast. Um, well, that's, that's the thing yeah. I find. It's like they either they either do great, or the your opponent out, you know, is going to be able to target it with something that can kill it quickly, but, and it just uh, explodes. But against skilled opponents, they never survive. They, yeah. they die pretty quick if the enemy um thinks they are a threat they kill them and it's so easy to kill them and that's something i think I, I just found maybe as well as as you know my strength as a player i'm not an incredibly you know amazing uh free folk player um but um i i found that the lower the activations like i really needed those extra activations so that i could outplay my opponents uh, so that I could have that breathing room to make maneuvers. And that when I brought down my activations lower uh, against, you know, I, I to 
you know, for listeners out there, uh, you know, I do way more intro games with people and teaching people to play the game than I get to go to tournaments. So I'm always excited when I get to jump into a tournament. And sometimes I'll try things out. But, you know, when I was testing out these smaller lists, I found that uh, uh, an opponent of equal skill level or greater, their units are either going to be pound for pound, maybe better than mine. And, uh, you know, our units can't really take hits as well. And having those extra activations often gave me the padding to get a victory. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And uh, uh, the next thing is giants. Uh, giants um, need their special rules. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> otherwise you're two two plus for one hit. Um, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so right now we had a visions of the flames come out recently that did a change to followers of bone and they're focusing like exclusively on night's watch and free folk. Do you think giants are on the table for that update? Do you think they should be? I think they need a significant boost. Um, I think how, could, how can you, them, how do you boost them? Yeah. Yeah. Even dropping them, them to five points. Five seems, points. Yeah, which seems um, incredible. Um, I think they they don't count the problem that they die too fast, um, just fail a panic test, <laughs> and they could possibly die after getting one wound. So yeah, but at five points, couldn't you run? Oh, good lord! You could run, you know, a six. I don't know. I feel like would giant spam just be? You could get a bunch of NCU's and giant or a unit with a commander and a bunch of giants i don't know does it become too good that's possible yes that's also my fear that um for five points um because they can also hold objectives like rather well i just don't know do you you see giants as like a defensive unit or an offensive unit because i always thought like it's sort of unclear it seems like they want it to be a defensive unit where they get charged they take a bunch of damage and then they smash you and then you activate the swords or you know or you, you you know you you take some damage and you hit back, but at the same time, like they're not reliably defensible enough that they don't explode. Yeah, the, I, in my uh, opinion, they are no defensive uh, unit, uh, but they are <laughs> uh, offensive uh, unit nader. So they are great in game modes like Game of Thrones, where you want to contest uh, an objective and uh, charge them in at your last or nearly last activation. Maybe you have a unit of veterans um, sitting on the middle objective, which grants right. uh, two victory points. So you want uh, the, the giant smashing into this unit to just contest it. The problem is when he activates, um, he maybe hits you two times. So, so does two attacks and then your giant is down. Right. Yeah. And then there are a lot of things that uh, deal out the wounds, something like uh, Craig or Clegane or um, Mira right. Reed, other trappers, something like this. Um, the whole Baratheons, they just, <laughs> yeah, drop giants. <laughs> so that's the, I think that's a, a big problem, though, is it's like this, they've got five wounds, but they take one wound for every two unblocked hit. So they're like, against certain units, like they're very resilient. You got to get 10 wounds through their four plus armor. But then on the other hand, like they can also take wounds so easily that sometimes that doesn't even matter. It's like a, a feast or famine situation. I if don't know. They, if they push their wounds um, maybe to 10 or 12 and uh, get rid of the um, 
two hits for one wound uh, thing, then you have problems healing them up. So you need well, then it's the the mighty swing D three plus one for each additional wound. If they had ten wounds at D three plus ten, I would be no. Yeah, you have to you have to change <laughs> everything. But I mean, like, so, right? So everything in that unit is so tied together with the wounds yeah. to the damage output to that. That's like if you tweak it any one way, the whole thing kind of stretches weird. But maybe there, maybe there'll be other things that come out that, you know, work with them or synergize with them. Um, but I don't know. I'm excited to see if that's in the update. I don't know yes. what they would do, but uh, I was, before I was taking lots of giant, you know, I was taking a giant in my list back, you know, I ran a lot of Tormund early on and taking giants with him uh, in my list. And then I, when the Heroes 2 box came out, I kind of dropped Giants entirely. Yep. And then I was like, wait a second, like maybe it's time for Giants. And I've been trying it out a little bit more. Um, but I had a few recent, and then they're like, you know, sometimes you just roll bad. But I had some some morale things where you get dinged with a Cersei and then exploded. And then I'm Can like, I... oh, that that felt bad. And I'm like, nope. Like, <laughs> It's so easy uh, to get you to a uh, morale of maybe seven or eight, a test on seven or eight. Yeah. And uh, maybe even the enemy, if, if they play a paid mutiny and have the uh, wealth zone, you get free auto wounds, uh, automatic wounds. So every faction has a ways um, to bring down a giant pretty easy. Right. And you, of course, against um, unexperienced opponents, um, giants shine. Right, um, yeah. You get someone, someone just brought up their Baratheon starter set. And yeah. They haven't played many games. You're going to be, you know, Stire gianting right through units of Wardens, like, woohoo! Yeah, but against uh, experienced opponents, they counter your Giants pretty easy. Um, Walder, Tywin, they, they do a lot of things to just, uh, yeah, <laughs> to, to keep you from playing the Giants with effect. So I guess that was the biggest challenge I had as a player was that in trying to do lower activation lists or just try different things out when I had a list that were too pillow fisted, they weren't doing enough damage. I was like, maybe giants is the way to do it. But I feel like I often just end back up at cave dweller savages. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I know we have, we had the, when maybe we'll talk about in a second, the updates to the followers of bone. Um, one thing that makes me a little nervous with the updates for 1.5 and you know, this is where I have my bias towards free folk is that uh, I really hope they don't touch the cave dweller savages. In a negative or I don't know. Thing, I yeah. just, you know, at some point I see it's a problem because I always like that is a auto include in my list. Mm -hmm. And like I can see how that would maybe be a bad thing. You know, free folk raiders are an auto include. Yes, because like that's the faction identity really. But yeah. cave dweller savages, like I need that unit. Um, mm. And I recognize that's a problem at five points. It's really good for what it does. It's a key linchpin unit in my army. Um, and I worry that maybe they might change that because it's so good that it makes me not want to take Spear Wives or maybe not want to take Followers of Bone. I think the cave trailers uh, are included in a lot of uh, armies, not because they are great, just because they don't have any other options. Yeah. Um, there is no other unit that fulfills this role or, or their role uh, in an army. Um, for th there is 
no unit that has uh, offensive capabilities um, after charging. So um, if they are engaged, the cave trailers are the only unit um, that can still do damage. The spear wives lose their abilities. The raiders have six uh, attacks and go down and attacks pretty easy. Um, the trappers don't have any um, close yeah, combat five abilities. Plus the hit. I've had yeah. a lot of disappointing melees. <laughs> yeah, um, the only thing that can do a little bit of damage are the follow followers of Bone, but even they, they hit on 3+, plus. okay, but they also drop uh, dice pretty fast. Yeah, um, 8, 5, 3, yeah. Yeah, and you you can't... Take four wounds, they're like a raider unit with gang yeah. up. Yeah, and expensive as two raider units. Um, yeah. It's, I think the cave dwellers are where they should be. So they just up. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, no sorry. No, go. Sorry. Uh, so they also then the kilos are where they should be. So they did actually in the last teasing of what's going to be updated in like I don't know what they're calling it one point five point one. Um, the followers of bone, they increase their attack profile. So it's eight six five. So after they lose their first rank, they're hitting as as hard as a raider unit now with gang up. Um, so three plus on six dice. So they have a little bit more damage doing. And on their last rank, they're hitting on five. So it doesn't decay quite so poorly. And they gave them on the base unit of followers of bone, jagged weapons, which gives them vicious. And they also have the horrific visage there. Each time an enemy targets this unit with a melee attack, that enemy suffers a panic tech, a panic test before resolving that attack. Um, did those changes you know, does that make it something that you're like, hey, I want to reach for that list? I mean, you're running Weeper. It seems like he might fit well with a unit of Followers of Bone. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, if your Raiders get charged by um, some Knights of Castle Rock or something like this, uh, or charged by some Berserkers or something like this, how long do your Raiders last normally? My Raiders? Hmm? Your Raiders. Uh, uh, Knights of Castle what, Rock. If I hit them back, not so long. <laughs> uh, maybe one attack, and uh, yeah, they die from one attack. Yeah, followers of Bone are basically a unit of raiders. Yeah. So the, I guess the only the thing I could see. Yeah, and I guess that's the problem I had with everything, though, is that you know you can't get hit back. Yep. Like this unit has to kill what it hits. Yep, but it won't do it. Is it? Yeah. The problem also is uh, they have morale seven. So every uh, unit with vicious will uh, deal a lot of damage to them. Um, and even without vicious, if, if you have some um, berserkers with 10 attacks uh, attacking you, or maybe with a berserker champion, <laughs> they cut through uh, your followers of bone like a hot knife yeah. through butter. And that's the problem. You have a six point unit that dies as easy as a three-point unit and also give a victory point to the opponent. So I think the change goes not far enough. Man, that's really compelling. I, on, To be fair, I have not run the new updated Followers of Bone yet. That's on my list of things. I really want to do it. Um, but that's what you're saying is sort of falling into some preconceived thoughts I already have now, and I can see how that it's going to be a tough I think you can make them work if you tailor your whole army around them. So you have one 
or two uh, units of them, maybe um, have the Reaper in them so that if, uh, if anybody wants uh, wants to charge them or attack them, they, um, yeah. I mean, before, back, you know, but, there were some times I'd mess around with like putting Harma and her Bannermen in them before they had Vicious to give yeah. them Vicious and try and go for a flank attack, get extra dice and just use it to like delete something. But it was all based on, I've got this like one Death Star unit that if it dies, I lose. But hopefully <laughs> I can try and kill off weakened things with. But yeah, I could but, probably do it cheaper with Cave Dwellers. Yeah, and if Walder comes, Walder says... Oh, yeah, no, yeah. And if you set uh, if you set an army up like one or two followers of Bone and then protect them with skin changers, with uh, bears in front of them, so that you guarantee that the followers of Bone get the first strike, I think then they maybe work. Okay. Maybe that's how I'll start in jumping to try it. Um, well, well, now, while I've got you here, um, I've bemoaned this many times. Um, Fire and Blood, that game mode, I often really struggle on. Mm -hmm. um, so I find it sometimes difficult to, uh, you know, so you mark your opponent's units, and sometimes it's like a lose-lose situation, right? Anything you mark yep. is going to get way better. But on my stuff, they're going to mark stuff that's crappy, um how do you how do you approach fire and blood as a free folk player um typically um they mark two raider units uh, yeah. of mine maybe on the flanks so that they can put a lot of pressure on them and my strategy is to um place my battle line about um 12 inch from my uh, table edge um so that i can let the marked units fall back behind my battle line and reposition them so that um, I close the battle line uh, in front of my marked units so that the enemy is not able to reach them. Yeah. Now, on that mode, um, do you play a little more defensively? Uh, so I find, like, especially against, like, less experienced players or even just players who aren't used to playing against Free Folk, like, Endless Horde on that map can be great because it's such a long deployment. Um, so I often want to get people to come onto my side of the board. Uh, but you know, how, how do you, I don't know. I'm just looking for any other insight because that's one I always struggle on. Um, I play always very uh, cautious with the free folk. Mm -hmm. Um, and in this game mode, um, it's not different, uh, no different. So, so I play very defensive, um, and react to my opponent. If, he concentrates on one side of the table. I push up the other flank pretty fast to encircle him. And then, yeah, okay. he has to come to me. And if the first unit of uh, his army come to me, I just encircle this unit and crack the nut. Mm, okay. So, so waiting for the opponent uh, that he makes um, mistakes. Yeah, and just punish him for that. So in the end, it sounds like from collectively speaking to you here that what you're saying, what makes a good free folk competitive list is it relies on insignificant. Yeah. It's got cave dwellers that are going to able to jump in there and push out your damage. They're your damage dealers. Mm. And then you're working with your three NCUs always. And Steyr right now, I mean, I think most people would agree that's an auto-include. For the D3 I, wounds? I think uh, Mance Raider is more important than Mance Raider is more important to shut down the opponent's key units? Yeah, because a Mance Raider is the only tool you have to ensure some kind of control over your opponent. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and you have to shut down the key units. And um, yeah, he's he's the one asset that also uh, reduces the damage you take. Right. Uh, and then that, sometimes that can be really fun, especially against Baratheons. I've had some chuckles with the uh, minus one to movement when the <laughs> units just stop. Yeah. You're like, you're never making it to the objective. Have fun. Um, <laughs> yes. And then Lady Val. Um, so you're taking that over a, uh, a Ygret, Um and Yes. Just because you need to be able to get in the good positioning to get your charges, right? No, I, th I think, um, yeah, um, Lady Val is nice to punish the opponent for only having two um, NCUs mm -hmm. if some opponent dares to bring only two um, but also to yeah make use of the combat field that often uh, yeah yeah that is open uh, on the first rounds um, and egret there was no no reason for user um, before Walder now could use her um, to ignore water, but then you also, um, yeah, delete your attachments. So I think um, it's better to use Lady Well because Lady Well um, gives you some some uh, bonus every time you use her, while Egret is very situa situational. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Egret is sometimes cool, but most of the time, she's just so-so. Okay. Well, awesome. Now, uh, you know, you're playing mostly Weeper competitively. Um, any thoughts on the other commanders? How would you maybe rank some of them? Um, since the skin changers um, are available, or when they become available, um, I find Hama pretty attractive. I... Um, Tested Hammer out uh, later as my second, uh, before uh, as my second list um, beside the Reaper, but she had no options to crush an enemy frontline from the front um, because skilled opponents normally um, also build a battle line where no infantry tray can flank them. Right. Um, even with um, fending maneuver. So she had no, no options to just crush one enemy unit and uh, yeah, roll up the battle line. So she was, yeah. Yeah, that's a challenge. I found, I found that as a harder competitive option, and yet I can watch skillful players play around her, either by denying zones or yeah. just positioning. Yeah. That's one thing I think for me I've had experiences. Like, in the end, the, the best commander for me is the one I have the most experience with. Like, I played a lot of Tormund. In the beginning, I didn't play quite as much Mance, and I'm saddened by what happened to Mance in the last update. Oh yeah, um, I She's feel like no. I'm just he. Yeah, he's on the shelf. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. Do you think they would update him? Yeah. I mean, no, because they just they just de up in the last update. They just nerfed him. That yeah, line but, so for those that don't know, in the rule book, they added a line that uh, NCU's do not have to activate to claim a tactic zone. They can activate and choose to do nothing. And the reason that's a big deal is because Mansurator, the king behind the wall, as a commander, has an ability called Wildling Diplomacy. So when an NCU activates, uh, when an enemy NCU activates, select two zones on the tactics board. If that NCU claims either zone, this activation, deal one enemy combat unit, D3 plus two wounds. If that enemy is within short range of Mansurator, they also gain a condition token, which is incredibly powerful. 
So there's only two spots left in the zone. You could do your, your opponent would have to pick one. In the last update, your NC you can just be like, well, I don't, I don't claim a zone. Yeah, that, so they, they that didn't hurt. nerf him directly. Then uh, it's just the core rule that they changed. But that rule, he's the them. only NCU that has that. Yeah, situation. That's right. That's right. He's um, he's not powerful now, but he also wasn't powerful back then uh, after Heroes Box 1 uh, came out. Um, the problem is he has only one strong tactics card. Right. Um, now he has. Zero. zero. And, he, and his other tactics <laughs> cards let you fish for that tactics card, and now it's like, yeah. well, uh, okay. Yeah, and um, his attachment ability is also not that great anymore with the uh, new panic rules. And yeah, only, so his, uh, he would turn everyone within short range. They would have, it would turn the morale to six plus. Yeah. So your whole army um, depends on him and getting his unit um, killed or walled out or Tywind or something like this. Um, just let your whole army center collapse. Um, yeah, and he has no he has no offensive capabilities. He has a little bit defensive capabilities. He's just, yeah, the worst commander now. In my opinion, he's the worst commander. Even... Um, the Lord of Bones is a little bit better than him. Oh man, yeah. And I had a bad Lord of Bones experience recently in a tournament where, on the first turn, he got Jack and Hagard and killed. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and it could have been walled. Anybody could have shut him down or something. But it was just one of those moments where I was like, I'm gonna do this weird thing, and it's gonna be cool. And like, I have a quite. I'm gonna try this fire and blood approach where I'm all gonna be out rattle shirting, and then he got zapped, and then things went downhill and I realized I'm going to stick with uh, Tormund, Tormund I feel the most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the problem with Mans is I think Michael announced that they are really reluctant to change tactic cards. Right. Um, so they have to change his attachment. And I think giving a morale bubble, a buff bubble is strong, kind of strong, but they... What do they want to do to compensate the tactic cards? I, I don't yeah. know. He has to be a superhero, and even a superhero gets uh, shut down uh, with Water right. Frey. So I don't know how to balance him out. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, if we got any people out there listening that are still big Mance Raider fans, you know, let me know because I'd love to hear what what people are doing with that. And maybe they'll be updated. I just like I said, I think there's a he's in a weird spot and. They just did impact him, I guess not by changing him, like you said, by changing a core rule, but the core rule only affects him. Yeah. So I don't know if he's getting passed over now or maybe they'll be switching, but I don't know what they would switch. Um, um, well, I think we're getting you, up there in time here, but um, you got any upcoming events or I mean, people might see you on Tabletop Warden. You've been on their podcast as well. Yeah, I was on uh, the podcast, I think two or three uh, free folk podcasts <laughs> at Tabletop Warden. Um, I played against Yannick and we um, did a better report. So uh, we both play tournament lists. Um, yeah, and upcoming tournaments. I think one of the next bigger tournaments is uh, the 100 player tournament in Paris uh, in March. 
Bit of start that's, yeah. that's going to be amazing. 100 player tournament in Paris. It's awesome that things are picking up. Uh, I think we're seeing a big uptick here in the United States. It sounds like over in Europe, things are going really well as well. And then uh, I know Ben in Blitz, from Blitz Mini, he's out in Singapore. It sounds like the Asia communities is really picking up with this game as well. So things are looking good for Song of Ice and Fire. Our shops are constantly sold out. Uh, it's <laughs> really hard to get that's the uh, other supplies. problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, if there's uh maybe like like the targaryen boxes they pop up in the shop and if you haven't pre-ordered them they are sold out <laughs> you, you have no chance to get them <laughs> yeah the and shops um they are pretty lucky when they sell a song of ice and fire because there are so much players we got a ton of new players who want to play this game it's great yeah it's pretty great and it's a fantastic game um yeah <laughs> we love this game um we our gaming group um came over from other games and we shelved all of the other games <laughs> song of ice and fire is now the only one it's amazing pretty amazing well thank you so much for coming on the podcast and now you're also in the discord so we can plug you pick your brain and we can connect you with a lot of other players as well and yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And in the meantime, I hope you get your miniatures on the table.